I'm a bit. I've never done this one before. So wait, is this really the very first one? You're the very first. You're the very first guest. Oh my gosh. It- Picture your life as a four burner stovetop. One burner represents your family. One is your friends. The third, your health. And the fourth, career. Now, if you have them all going at once, you're going to burn out. So in order to be successful, you need to turn one off. If you want to be super successful, they say turn off two. My name is Josh Earl, and by the end of this podcast, we'll see which ones are being left on and which ones are getting turned off. This is Four Burners. Hello and welcome to Four Burners. My name is Josh Earl and joining me today on the very first episode, it is a singer, an actor, a writer and the carryover champion of the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. <laughs> Can you please welcome Gillian Cosgrove? Yay! Yay! Hey, Jill. I cannot believe I'm the very first person. This is so exciting. What a thrill. I, I, I didn't tell you when I booked you, I said this will be the very first. This is the first time I've done it. Sometimes in the past in my podcasts... Mm. I've done a couple of pilot ones and went, that'll just be for me. Yeah. I've got a good feeling about this one, Gillian. <laughs> no this, pressure. This is it. <laughs> Let's this find is a it. woman who is notoriously stretched thin. <laughs> well, you, you, you came back so quickly with the email. It was great. Thank you. Oh, good. Okay, good. great. That's, That's all, very unlike me. You're also a sign of a professional. Hey, so what we're going to do, we're going to talk through your four burners, okay? Mm-hmm. So you can start whichever one you want to start with, career, health, family, friends. Let's start with let's just start with career let's okay. just be straight up about it is that the one that you want to get out of the way or is that mm. the one your favorite it's always on were you like that kind of kid who when they had like plate full of vegetables you went i'll eat the thing i don't like first yes yes broccoli meat then potatoes <laughs> yes so yes. i always ate the thing i like first my parents like eat the thing you don't like first and then you get it out of the way i'm like yeah but this is the warmest it's, it's the nicest it's going to be huh. and so i would always go i'm gonna have for me it was chicken Yep. I'll have that first. Yeah. And then I'll leave the carrots or pumpkin. I couldn't stand pumpkin. I'll have that last. Yeah. It surprises me because I've had people pitch that to me as like, what if I die? What if there's an earthquake? I want to oh. know that I had the potatoes. Oh, that's way more extreme. <laughs> yeah, it's very intense. Um, yeah. I think also here's a terrible kind of person that I am. I If I'm cooking dinner, I'm washing dishes while I'm cooking. Yep. And if I can just get the dishes finished before I sit down to eat, I, I don't mind if the food gets is not like piping hot because ah. it's so much nicer for me to eat dinner knowing that the dishes are done. No, my, my thing is always go to bed having done the dishes. No one wants to wake up to dirty dishes, mm-hmm. which sounds like it's a metaphor. It's Zach, it's, it's figuratively. And, and literally. That's what, that's what yeah. it is. I just want to do that. Um, but, yeah, my in-laws family are big for putting the food down on the table and then going off and doing other stuff. Yeah. Drives me batty. Have you ever toured with Bob Franklin? Yes. Bob Franklin, somehow miraculously, his meal always comes first. I oh. don't know how. And it'll get there and then he'll order another drink and then he'll drink that whole drink before he eats his dinner and the rest of you will just be starving. <laughs> he just, he'll just he go for a little walk and yeah. come back. I don't I think Bob it. did that with me. All right, let's get into your career then. Yes. So let's tell the listener, if they don't know you, what, what do you do? I know I did, I did the whole spiel, but what do you say you do? Oh, sure. I, it depends on the day. At the moment I tell people I am a comedian. Yep. Um, when I was in Harry Potter, I told them I was an actor because I was. So whatever's like the prominent job at the time, I tell them that first. And then if they slowly figure out other things, they look at me like I've betrayed them. But it's just a lot if I do all of it at once. And was this always what you wanted to do? 
Um, I at first I always, I wanted to do musical theatre yep. from when I was a kid, um, and I still sometimes do that. Yep. But I think by the time I sort of was like a, a grown up or like once I was going to uni, I felt like what I wanted to have was this kind of career, which is like a weird patchwork career where you're doing lots of different kind of things within this industry. So yes, yes this is kind of exactly what I wanted to do. And it's also kind of what. I, I, look, I say this from my own experience. Mm. In Australia, it's very hard just to concentrate on one thing and do that solely yeah. and have a career. I mean, there are, we've got friends who can do that. Yeah. But I, I myself anyway have to do podcasting or kids shows or stand-up. Like I can't just concentrate on one because bills don't get paid. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I think, But they also all feed each other, which is really nice i think yeah do you have you ever written on two things at once have you ever been working on two? yeah yeah all the time and like this year i wrote i was writing a sort of first draft like a bunch of songs for a musical that i'm writing and i did a showing of that in january and then i put that down immediately and then i started writing my comedy festival show yeah but everything is sort of churning at once because it also isn't enough time to do just one of those things so yeah i always find when people are like how do you do? i'm like well Writing one of them is a break. I get stuck with one. All right, I'll go and do the other one mm. and that'll be my break where yeah. some people will go, I'll stop that and I'll go and play video games. I'm not into video games. No. So I'll just I'll go and write another song or yeah. I'll yeah, work on kid stuff. Yeah, it's creative polyamory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, all right, so this is, so you went to Whopper. Yes. So, you, But you're not from Perth originally. No, I'm from Brisbane mostly. Yeah. Mm. What, what, what year were you at Whopper? Uh, 2008 through 2010. So Tim mentioned it already popular by then. Yes. Because he went to Whopper, right? Yes, but he did jazz piano. So ah. he's so the one in my course that was like the standout for me was Eddie Perfect. Oh, uh, yeah. Eddie Perfect did music theatre as well. Yeah. Um, but even then Eddie was like on the right. I think I learnt about Eddie while I was at uni. So, yeah. um, But I certainly, Tim Mincham was a big old thing yeah. for me. Because that would have been like I'm just looking at how universities sell themselves mm. and go, yeah, we, this person came through. Oh, yes. No, I went in the era where they were still doing the big hard sell on um, Hugh Jackman. Oh. Hugh Jackman and even Lisa McCune. Of course. Well, <laughs> they were like, what? these are our stars. I mean, yeah, I didn't know they went there. So, yes, well, I'm, I'm sorry, Tim, but you are third. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And depending how Beetlejuice goes, mate, no. No. no, no, no okay. <laughs> uh, so did you – now, you finished Whopper. Mm-hmm. Did you go straight into work? Uh, n- yes and no. I, I stayed, I did this cabaret competition that doesn't exist anymore. Um, right after I finished uni in Sydney. And if you won that, you got to write a one hour show and just tour it to all these cabaret festivals around yep. Australia. And I did not win. I came second. Um, but it was great because all the festival directors saw me and were like, we'd also like you to write a show. That's great. So I went from finishing drama school to writing a one hour solo show which if you're a comedian, that's bonkers. Like that's very uncommon. But for sort of cabaret, which is this like weird amorphous blob of a job that nobody quite knows what it is, um, is very standard. That's the kind of show that you make. And you're writing your own original songs? Yeah, I had intended that there would be covers in it because that's quite common in cabaret. And I would keep getting to a point and I'd be like, I wanted to do this song, but this actually doesn't say exactly what I want to say in this moment. So I'll just write something myself. That'll be easier. (laughs) When you're doing musical theatre and also... In, like, did you always like comedy as well? Well, I always had, yeah, I think I did, but yeah. like not sort of mainstreamy comedy. Like my parents grew us up on like weird BBC radio shows. Yeah. Like, um, I'm sorry, I'll read that again. Because your dad dabbled in comedy as well. Yes, he still does. Yes. Yeah, big time. And um, 
yeah, so strange things. Like, do you know who Victor Borger is? The p- pianist who yes. would hang upside down and play. Yes. Yeah. He would just do all these ridiculous bits. So I kind of loved that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I don't think I I thought what I was doing was comedy. I knew I wanted it to be funny because then it would be more interesting. Yeah. People wouldn't be bored. Did your lecturers know that you're into comedy? Because some, sometimes, because I also went to theatre school, mm. and as soon as they figure out you're into comedy, they only give you the, the funny roles. No, I wasn't oh, very funny. Smart. I was clever yeah. but not funny. And only when I was in third year did I get the, like, the comic role in Anything Goes, which is like a gangster mole which is a term we're allowed to use, yeah. I guess. Um, <laughs> anything goes has bigger problems than that character. Um, and my our head of dance, I think, really fought for me to have that role. Yep. And I came in on the first read and I was like, oh, I know exactly what to do with this. And then I was kind of like, oh, oh, maybe this is, maybe this is the vibe. Yep. Did you, when you graduate, did you have like a five-year plan, 10-year plan? And you no. get that kind of... Yeah, I'm not that kind of No, and people would ask me about it and in my 20s in an insufferable fashion I'd be like, I just don't really think that's realistic in this industry. (laughs) Like like it was revolutionary. Like I was the first person to think of it. So when did you start doing comedy then? So I did these kind of cabaret, these solo shows, one-hour shows. Um, I toured that show for like maybe the first year and a bit out of drama school and then eventually I made a second show that I did at Melbourne Fringe and that sort of put me more into a comedy space. I think even then I was still under like the cabaret umbrella. It probably took me until about 2014 or 15, like about four or five years before I would quietly say, I'm a musical comedian. Yeah. And then maybe only a few years ago did I stop saying musical. (laughs) We all do. It's terrible. Yeah. It's just the one job that you're like, I'm saying I'm funny enough for you to pay for it. I had a I had a comedian once say to me, this was back when I was doing musical comedy, saying, Josh, you're funny enough, you could just be a comedian. And I'm like, that's a real backhanded compliment. Yeah. I know you're trying to say that, hey, you can do comedy without the guitar, mm. but the guitar also gets laughs and entertains people. I actually enjoy doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it never occurred, occurred to me not to do mu- – <laughs> I like doing the music. Yeah. People like you doing it too. Great. Yes. And likewise. And also with you. <laughs> and also with you. Uh, what do you tell uh, Uber drivers that what you are if they ask? It depends on their vibe. So um, these yeah. I've been very brave of late. And I, I understand this comedian. is a very different question to women than it is yes. to men. Yeah. <laughs> I have a friend who she's like, I know this makes me a terrible feminist, but in every Uber I say, I do the accounts for my husband's business. And she's like, they're not even interested enough to ask what his business is. Yeah. She's an actor. Because um, if you're carrying the keyboard, you must. I have to tell them. Yeah. And um, Ubers particularly, I have to get an XL if I'm travelling with my road case to fly and it, it, they're so mean to me always. And then I have to be so nice to them to not lose a star just to fit a keyboard in their car that I've literally hired because it's meant to be big enough to fit the thing. Do you care about the Uber rating? Less and less. Honestly, what I am these days is I'm like delighted at how good it is yep. given the enormous inconvenience I bring with me. <laughs> I, I I think people are no longer caring about the Uber ratings. I think that's true. Yeah, I, I think I think we're past that yeah. as a society. That's I, I think we know they're going to pick us up. Yeah. Yeah, because the ta- taxis are coming back. Yeah, big time. Absolutely. Because people don't like being rated. We've, no. we've realised. Which is, that's nice because I, I didn't want to lean into that side of things. I hate it. I yeah. hate it. Which is a weird career to have where you hate yeah. being <laughs> rated all the time. Um, what What's one thing about your career that you wish people knew that was really hard that they don't, that you probably don't think they know? Ooh. I mean, I complain a lot, so I feel like I'm getting it out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Uh, I think it's something about like that it that it just that it is hard to keep like making things and keep doing things off your own steam. Yep. Because I came out of musical theater, a, a lot of people in that kind of um, world they audition for musicals and they're in a big musical and they have a contract for a year or two years or yep. five years in Cats if you're that way inclined. And um, and there's a real vibe of like, oh, but you'll be fine. You can do anything. In the pandemic, like when we went into lockdowns, I was in Harry Potter and people would from work would say to me like, but you'll be fine. You must be writing. You must be like writing your musical. Yeah. You've got a TV. You're writing all the things. And I was just like, no, I'm equally as sad as you. <laughs> Just trying to do something about it, but it's hard. It was that, yeah, that was really hard. Because I think I saw you about a week or two. No, things were shutting down, but things weren't quite shut down yet. Mm. And I, I felt bad because I think I may have told you, oh, yeah, I think they're shutting down <laughs> venues over 500. Oh, God. And I think I saw your face go, um, okay. Uh. The fact that I don't remember this is just yeah. like you block out trauma. <laughs> I, I also, I told Harley Breen as well, like he was uh, – for the listeners, I work on a TV show called The Project uh, and he was a panellist that day when they had just announced that um, it was sh- the Comedy Fest was shutting down. Yeah. And he, at that stage, it was just uh, venues under 500 and he was in like, a, I think, 400. So he's like, I'm fine. Go, they go up on rehearsal so he's not. And then the email comes through, all right, we have to shut it down. So I went up and went, oh, yeah, there, shut the Comedy Fest. Goes, no, it's just for under 500. I went, nah, sorry, mate. And I could see just dollar signs disappear from behind his eyes. Just yeah. like he's just, yeah, it was, it was, and I hate, I hate giving bad news to people. Like, mm. and it was a real, like, oh, I'm, I'm very sorry to say. And then three, two, one, go for it. You're on live TV. Yeah, yeah. great. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. Yeah. So um, if, if not, if not performing, can you see yourself doing any other career and be, and being happy in it? No, no that's why I do this. Yeah. If there was anything else that yeah. made me this happy, I'd do that. Yeah. So Harry Potter was huge and you did, what, two years? Three and a half. Three and a half years. Yeah, but lockdown, so, yeah. Did you learn anything from doing a show like how many, was it eight shows a week? Yeah. Did you learn anything about performing? I mean, I'm sure you did. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> Imagine if I was like, I no, no, I actually know everything. <laughs> Do you well, want me to write it down for you? It's just three things. What was the main things? <laughs> um, I... It's a very big cast and a very big crew, a lot of people in a building. Yep. So um, I learned a lot of things just from individuals in terms of like age and experience. Um, I learned that the like one of the best things you can do in a workplace is like is really communicate with people around you. If nobody knows what's going on with you, the building is like it's a hive. So, yeah. you know, sometimes people would come in and they'd be like just completely shut down that day. And so everyone is suddenly like, what's going on with her? Why yeah. is she like? And all she has to do is tell one person like, hey, i got some family stuff going on. I don't want to talk about it. I'm not mad at anybody. If yeah. anyone asks you, can you let them know? So just little things like that. I think like the way that you disperse information to large groups of people is really important. Um, and like managing expectation within that is a really tricky thing. Um, just like being silly at work is the best thing. It's the best antidote to. I can't imagine how close the cast would be after three and a half years because, you know, you do like a, a three week tour with uh, four other comedians mm. and by the end of it, you're so tight. Yeah. And so after three and a half years, it must be like, because people would come and go, I'm sure as well. Yeah, yearly. Is that. 
super hard when a new person comes in and is it a real like we've got to get behind them and make sure they feel like part of the family or is it a Well, they come in, in usually in years. I think only once or twice did we have one person come in oh, as yeah. a solo person. And I think generally the company would like rally around that person, but it is a weird mix too. Like when my friend Luke joined the cast, I had thought that we were all like when you all know the show, it can be very easy to be like, oh, you actually don't stand there, you stand here. Yeah. Oh, actually, you just take this, pro- you go there. And you don't want to boss anybody around. You want them to learn for themselves. And I was like, how is that for you? And later he was like, nobody talked to me. And I was like, what? <laughs> I think I, we're all so worried about crowding yeah. him and overwhelming him that actually was quite lonely. So you're just trying to figure out that balance. But you get so close and your whole, like in the same way that when you're on tour for someone with someone for like three or four weeks, you get to know a lot about that person's life and what's going on with them in that period, right? And this is like an extended version of that. So we had, you know, like divorces, a lot of dead dads on that show. Gosh, a lot. Um, People buying houses, people having babies, people like big life events and all of it sort of being celebrated within that building and also like huge world stuff, you know, like the bushfires were going on and that was a really hectic time and obviously the pandemic we were like – in and out together and the vibe in the building was very intense. Until I left the show, I didn't realise that I was living a significantly more intense version of the pandemic than a lot of my yeah. friends and family yeah. just because we were like rat test every day, PCRs twice a week, like so vigilant yeah. so that the show could keep running. And, yeah, you're going through all of that together at the same time, you know, like New Year's Eve going into 2021, I think, we wanted to all have a drink after the show and like be sort of together, but we were too afraid to go to a bar and we didn't sort of want to go to anyone's house. So we just sneakily brought like keep cups and we just after the show all sat out the front of the theatre and just had like champagne on the street (laughs) just to be together. That sounds nice though. But we were too afraid to be with the rest of the world. So it's a very strange but very beautiful thing. All right, so that's that's family done. I mean career. We're going to move on to family. (laughs) kind of family. Family. Yeah, Yeah. let's talk about family. Okay, Mm. so how many in your family? Five kids, two parents. Five kids, two parents, a big mm-hmm. family. And you're the eldest? I'm the second eldest, but my brother's 10 years older than me, so I'm the eldest at home. Ah, okay. And all same same parents for the older brother? Uh, my older brother's my half-brother. Yeah, I've got the same thing. I've got two oh, yeah. half-sisters, so, yeah, I understand. Five five kids, three, um, two, my mum. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so so you're the – are you close with your family? Yes. Yes. I mean, we, we were going to do this earlier, but you said I'm going to hang out with my my sister, so – Oh, that's true. Uh, yeah, props to me. All right. So <laughs> what role do you play in the family? Um, insufferable. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, um, growing up, I was very, 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 very bossy. Yep. Which is a word we only use for girls. Um, but um, what's, what's the male equivalent? It's like um, forthright? Assertive. Assertive. Strong leader. CEO. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Managerial. Yeah, exactly. So I would um, corral my siblings all the time into a variety of um, productions. I would be director, writer, choreographer, oh, of star. Are, are the rest of your family into th- musical no, theatre No, why well? would they be Just after you. that? <laughs> really? did, did you do like, all right, we've got tickets and make sure the parents sit there and here's your tickets and the show's going to come on? Yes. But yeah. when I met my partner, it's the, he's the oldest of three and it's the first time I met anyone who was worse than me. Okay. Like he, like he would charge the family for tickets. They had a newsletter. Yeah. He used to save up his pocket money to buy different coloured light bulbs from Bunnings and they had a lamp they would use in the show and they would get tissues and change the light bulbs to be like, okay, now it's a blue light bulb for under the sea. The first time he told me that was on our first date and I was like, I am going to sleep with you. 
Good work. But so yes, that was my um that was very much my vibe. Um and I'm very close with the next sister, well, with both my sisters now, but growing up with my next sister down from me, we lived together in Melbourne for years. We worked yep. together, we had all the same friends. And then um she moved to Canada for a bit, and that was sort of a weird readjustment. And then my next sister down, she and I are the two that live in Melbourne now. So yep. we're very close and we, you know, spend quite a bit of time together, which is nice. She has two kids. She has a, f- a fresh, I've got a fresh niece who's only three weeks old. Oh, nice. And my nephew's two and a half. She sent me a video of them the other day and she was just like, Oscar reminds me so much of you because he's just very loving but very bossy. <laughs> <laughs> just like. We we have friends, our friends, not my kids' friends. Mm. And so they've got a, a kid a little bit younger than my eldest and she is very she she knows what she wants Mm -hmm. and no one else is allowed to do anything and so when the first time we went over there my kids were like um they're not fun to play with (laughs) they wouldn't let us touch anything i'm like oh that's all right you know sometimes they've got kids have their own special things yeah and they're like no anything like a block we weren't allowed to play with a block i'm like okay all right so well the flip side of this is also that i was doing like organized fun very early on. Yeah. Like I'll be like, all right, we're all playing a game. This is the game. We're, these are the rules. Like, Because you have a very good bit in your stand-up where you're like for the, all the older siblings. Oh, yes. This is a present from Eldest all of daughters us. in the yeah. room. Yeah, here's yeah. a present from all of us. Because I'm the middle child. So I, I just. You've went, never bought a present went, in your life. We went with the flow. <laughs> went with the flow. Uh, so how often do you speak to your family? Is there, is there a family WhatsApp group or like. Yes, in- there's a family chat. Um, then there's a Melbourne family chat, then there's a sister's chat, there's a sibling's chat, there's a sibling's and partner's chat. So many chats. It's a lot. <laughs> me, me and my brothers have a chat. Me and my parents, no chat. No, okay, just, fair. Yeah. yeah. Just sometimes we need a place to go and just talk to each other. Yep. We love them, but we just need to talk. Is this is this normal? Yeah, it's normal. Okay, yeah. let's, let's go. <laughs> yeah, cool. uh, so what's the last message cool. you received from a parent? Uh I got a text from my dad yesterday. My parents, they picked up their keys from my house and then when I came home there was a whole thing of flowers on the dining table because they'd been at this fancy lunch. Oh, that's very nice. And they took the flowers home. I was, Matt was like, do they buy these? And I was like, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> but they still thought of us and that's nice. That's very nice. I only ask that because I, too many people I know yeah. have like messages from parents and they haven't replied to. Oh, almost definitely that yeah. too. I won't look at my mum's thread. There's yeah. probably ten questions there. Um, so what happens when all the Cosgrews get together? It's very loud. Yep. It's chaos. Um, it's in joke central. It's very fast talking a lot of the time. Um, well, my family's very good at an ambient hang. Yep. So like Christmas will just be like people are in and around the kitchen and the lounge room. Yeah. And sometimes there's a movie on, somebody's playing a game, somebody's reading a book and it just, things are just like in and out, but it's very chill. Do you drop into your childhood roles when you're in the house together? Yeah. Yeah. I'm and the more there. of us together, the more yeah. we do that. All I right. think, yeah. You mentioned Christmas. This is my one Christmas question. Mm. At Christmas. Yes. Did the big present come from Santa or from the parents? Oh, parents. See. Yeah. And they were staunch about that. They were just like. Not in my house. Oh, no, really? Santa. You've got you to create the magic. Santa. Santa's a magical oh, person. Oh, no. My parents were like, we want credit where it's due. And <laughs> <laughs> that's correct. My, see, I, I, this is one of the things my wife's family were very much like. Santa gives you socks, maybe a block of chocolate. Yep. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Trinkets. Big presents come from the parents. I'm yep. like, no, you got to build the magic. You got to build the 
hey, like there's this amazing thing that once a year someone just comes around and gives presents to people. But don't you think about the inequality then that you're like, but Santa brought me this, but Santa brought my friend this enormous thing. I don't think kids talk like that. I think they they only focus and by the time they're back at school and talking to their friends, it's done. But then what about when you find out, when you find out, I won't say in case anyone listening isn't sure, but then did you worry that your big presents were going to disappear? Oh no, because you know that it was all your parents. I well, I spoiler. I knew, but I didn't. I didn't let them know for a good few years. And no, I've got you a younger brother. On. Yeah, and I was like, if you find out, because we're still getting them, if you believe, so you shut up. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think my older brother, like I, I moved out at seventeen. My older brother was still living there at twenty-one. Would still wake up and get like Santa presents. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Good. Just yeah. I mean, it was a different thing. It was like a carton of beer or something like that. But yeah. It's a big present still. Good, good job, Santa. Good, good thing under the tree. All right, we'll move on from family. Okay, so we've got health and, and friends left. Which one do we do? Oh, let's do uh, let's do health. Okay, health. Okay, here we go. So uh, would you say you're healthy? Mm, yes and no. Uh, sometimes. Ask, it depends on the day. I'd say you're healthy. <laughs> I think so. Mostly, yes. Yeah. I think I'm uh, frequently very guilty of, like, neglect Sometimes I have to say to myself, neglect is not a treat. Yep. <laughs> like sometimes I'm tired and I'm like, you don't have to floss today. That's not a treat. That shouldn't be a treat. It's so funny. Like, flossing is a big thing. Like something I've only come to. Mm. Um, this sound we're not recently. a floss generation. We're not a floss we country either. No, no, like, exactly that. And so I would floss before a dentist appointment and then go, what the fuck am I? They know I don't floss. They're professionals. Also, that just means you go in with bleeding gums. Yes. So nice for them. Yeah. Uh, but it is something I've done re- like in the last, because I had wisdom teeth removed and they were like, hey, you're going to get cavities. You're going to remove another tooth. And mm. So I had like three teeth removed at one point and they are like, you better floss. And then, got to say, mm-hmm. you don't get too many joys. You <laughs> discover joys in, in your 40s. This is a real joy. <laughs> it feels so good. So clean, right? So good. Yeah, yeah. so I have to remember. It does feel good. Uh, when do you think you're at your healthiest? Um... When I was when I was on Harry Potter, I was very healthy, but out of necessity. Yeah. So I came like I danced my whole life from when I was like five until I was in my twenties, which I never considered fitness because the world at that time did not consider dancing to be sport or athletic, yep. even though it is very very athletic. Um, and I was never like an exercise girly. And then I was very injured on the show, and I had to do a lot of work to get back to like yeah. Just a manageable level, just to look after my body. Was it an injury from overworking, or was it, um, yeah. from uh, flying? I was in a harness, yeah. so um, a regular sentence yeah. for your, for my job, for which I was paid superannuation. Um, and so I got into Pilates in a very, very big way, and then thank goodness I did because in the lockdowns, the only thing I could do was like cry and exercise every day. I'd be like, okay, you just have to do two things today. Yep. <laughs> Make sure you get them both ticked off. Was there a person during the lockdown that you watched like a YouTube person? Yes. It- so a friend of my partner's, um, her name's Tori and she has a company called Peaches Pilates, which I'm obsessed with, which meant I just spent like that entire time with her. And when I saw her in Sydney earlier this year, I was just like, you don't know what you got me through. Yeah. Like you were there for me. <laughs> I had to say there was a woman who would do hit classes mm. on YouTube and it was great because there was no talking. It was just this is what we're doing. It yep. was like you could choose. It was like 20-minute like Tabata ones or like 45 minutes, no weights, just whatever. And I was obsessed with doing it every day. It was also a time I can go away and do it. And then she did a like Instagram live and I went, I'm going to comment. I'm going to say, hey, thank you. I'm in the most lockdown city in the world and you're actually – and she was like, oh, someone from Australia, my assistant's from Melbourne. 
And so I was like, oh, I'm also in Melbourne. And then I was like, I'm not going to discuss this anymore. But it was her who was so lovely. And then there was a guy whose name is Ryan Hummerston and he's like this big jacked, clearly on steroids. Sure. But he is that kind of bro-y kind of fucking just get your ass in there and do it and don't. And it was a really nice yin-yang of those two going, all right, she's just lovely and just going to go, we're going to do this. Mm. And even in the videos, she would take breaks sometimes. It was like, it's, it's like. It's reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see someone fail. So I can go, oh yeah, it's okay to fail. Yeah. And then have this other guy when I feel like, yeah, I need my ass kicked. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I had a similar thing where I had my beautiful friend that I loved and then another instructor that I would watch because I hated her. Yeah. And this is just the spite. She would be like, okay. And just 12 more and just. 14 more. And I'd be like, you said 12. <laughs> this is unforgivable. Like it's just, but the rage really, really inspired me. So did you have snacks in the house as a kid? What kind of snacks? Ooh, um, we're a very big muesli bar house. Yeah. Shapes. Um, yep. We would always steal. My mum's like an avid baker. She would bake us so many treats. But that meant that in the cupboard was always dried apricots and um, little choc bits. That was the closest <gasps> thing we had to like chocolate. So we would sneak those. I I love those chalk bits. Classic. I still do sometimes. Yeah. I'm going, yeah, we'll bake cookies with the kids and just, um, yeah, just open no, you're those. You're just going to eat them bed. at yeah. Yeah, 11 p.m. Yeah. I once at work, when I was working at a um, supermarket, I thought I'll get a healthy thing for my break and got dried apricots. Mm-hmm. Didn't realise that I was actually going to eat 20 apricots. So I ate them all yeah. in one sitting and then two hours later had to be excused from work. And I'm in so much pain yeah. and I have to go. So kids, if you're listening, don't eat that many dried apricots. Dried fruit in moderation. Yeah. Did your family have a soda stream? Never. Okay, healthy family. Absolutely not. No soft drink, ne- almost never soft drink in the house, not even yep. juice, which like some things I was deprived of as a child because I'm such a goody two-shoes, I just don't think to touch them as an adult. Yep. I can remember in like the early 2000s living with my sister and walking through the shops one day and just going, wait, we we can buy fruish. <laughs> Like, of all the things you're allowed to have as an adult, yep. I was just like, I can have that fancy yogurt if I want it. I didn't. But I was like, but I could. It like, is so funny because I was a bit like you, pretty mm. disciplined with food stuff yeah. all through uni and stuff. And also, I didn't have much money to fucking spend. So mm. it was that thing of going. But you would see those friends who were deprived of all this stuff as a kid and then they go to uni or they move out of home and they're like, I can buy whatever I want. Yeah. When I went to uni, I had the best lunches of anyone in my year, I think, because I would bake because my mum always baked for our school lunches. So I'd have like a slice of my like biscuits and that'd be my afternoon tea and I'd have like fruit and yogurt and I'd have like a a hot, like a, you know, like a meal prep thing. And then I'd also have like tiny teddies or like a little bag of pretzels every day. My mum was an Arnott's rep. Oh, sure. Which meant she would would go to the supermarket and do this, this things at the end of the aisles yeah. to make sure they're all right. And so we had tiny teddies a lot. Great. A uh, lot of mint slices. How do you eat your tiny teddy? Um, I bite the ears off first. Yep. Yeah, and then uh, limb by limb and then eat the whole thing. Correct. Yeah, yeah good. Okay. Chicken crimp <laughs> is the same thing. So um, you bite the little crimps off the side. Whoa. Yeah, n- 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 nibble Kit around. End, end, chocolate off all the sides and then wafers. No, I don't know if I do that. Oh, I do that. Yeah. It makes it take ages. I... Well, those cicada crackers, if they're the flavoured ones. I don't know them. They're just the little crackers, like little round crackers um, mm-hmm. yep, you have with dips and stuff like that. Sure. Um, my wife hates it when I eat them because I will uh, put them in my mouth and then like flip it over in my mouth mm-hmm. and get all the flavour off both sides of it <laughs> on my tongue. And she's like, that sounds so disgusting. <laughs> and I'm like, it's the best <laughs> way to eat it. Otherwise you get, you're losing half the flavour. 
I get mad at my partner for eating um, Pringles in a stack and he'll just bite through the stack. Yeah, that's a waste. We were in the car a few weeks ago driving to Warrnambool and I bought some Pringles and then he's like, can I have a Pringle? I was like, yep. And I was just handing them to him one at a time and he was like, are you trying to control so that I eat these correctly? I was like, it's shaped for your tongue. Pringles are a one at a time chip. Absolutely. Yeah. I See, I if there was one food Mm -hmm. I could eat and it's only the one food but I got all my nutrients from it, Mm. what I would choose, and maybe I'll get you to choose this as well. Good, good. The pizza shapes dust. <laughs> if I could just live off pizza shapes dust and get all all my nutrients, yep, wouldn't get bored. Yeah, great. Wouldn't get bored. Perfect. Yep. I think I would. I think Pringles is up there for yeah. me. Very like just aesthetic, like f- good mouth feel. Yep. The tube is lovely. Like it, that's everything is presented very nicely. Yeah, I think that's maybe it for me. I have seen they've switched to a bag now. You can't see the tube, but they've what? got Pringles in a bag. It just feels wrong. Hard no. Feels Unsubscribe. wrong. Um, any weekend sport as a kid? No. Dance, no ballet. Da- ballet. Okay. Yeah. Well, 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 that's Tap that's jazz, it. ballet, contemporary. It's it's thing. All right. So here, here's in terms of mental health. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is under health. Do you have any indicators or red flags that you know? All right. I need to step away for a bit or slow down. I mean, I like to wait until they're good and red yeah. for me, you know. Um, I'm like, God, look at this whole doona. It's what? How did I? I'm dressed to match. Wow. Um, I, I certainly have let things get very bad yeah. before. Um, and I think a lot of my mental health has been historically connected to work. So if I'm moving, I'm fine. And then if I stop, I just yeah. sort of fall apart. So I'm learning how to manage that. It was an incredible thing for me when I was in Harry Potter because it's the first time I'm, it's the longest job I've ever had yep. where I got paid every week. So it's the first time I could afford to go to therapy regularly when I was not in crisis. Yep. So ordinarily I'd get him like I'd be in a really bad way, I'd get a mental health plan, I'd go and I'd see a shrink for like 3 or 4 sessions and sort of like get back to like a base level and then I'd go back to work and I'd be like oh I actually don't need to use the rest yep. of this. And so just going regularly and being like Hi, I'm here. I'm not crying. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd love to talk about like boundaries or like today I'd like I like I worry a lot. What can we do about that? Yeah. So that was such a like a privilege yeah. to kind of be able to just spend that money like, you know, every few weeks. It also must be nice cuz our career it's like not paycheck to paycheck, but it's that thing of like, all right, we've done this gig, then we've got another gig. And so you look at your calendar go yeah. and when you see gaps, that is quite anxiety inducing. Yeah. Having the uh, luxury of having constant work must have been something that was settling. It was both. Yeah. So it was like, in some ways, it was incredible to be like, I know exactly where I'm going to be. I know how much money I'm going to make. I know what I can do socially. But also, you can't really do anything else. Yeah. It's you naively are always like, but I'll have my days free and I'll be able to do all these other things. Yeah. And it's like, no, in your days, you do like, you go to the physio and you work out yep. and you like even getting a massage is work because you're just getting everything kind of straight because yeah. the show is so physical. Um, and then you're sort of trying to see your friends and family in and around that, but they're on a completely different schedule to yep. you. So, and also you're like, Oh God, I'm going to do the same thing every single day. Like sometimes in a warm up, we would warm up on the stage and we would look out at the empty princess theater, which is so beautiful 
And our voice coach would be like, okay, look out at the theater and say, hello. And I would go, hello. And then I'll be like, oh God, I miss talking to the audience. (laughs) I just really miss pointing out when someone's laugh is weird or like when someone's having a chat or eating chips. That must be so hard. There must be so many times where you're like, oh, I could really like say something funny here. Yeah. Yeah. And just, you're like, no, no, you're in the story. You're just in the world. So it's comfort and it's discomfort at the same time. Yep. Um, So what factors do you think prevent you from staying healthy? Um, guilt. Yep. Shame. <laughs> if I sing them, it's not sad. <laughs> um, sometimes I will do a very bad thing where if I um, wake up too late or I'm on my phone for too long in bed, I will, I'll get up and I just won't eat anything until I feel like I've done something. Yeah. So it's, it means I get up, might have a coffee, and then I'm like, I'll just send that email. I'll just, I'll do the, and I'll make that call. And then suddenly I'm like, why am I furious? And I'm like, it's two o'clock. You haven't eaten anything. <laughs> be, be a person. Um, and I think sometimes I, I look after myself once and I, then I'm like, but I should be fine now. You know, yep. it's like my mother in law will be like, my phone battery's not very good. And Matt will be like, what do you mean? She's like, well, I charged it on Monday. And he'll be like, Mum, it's it's Friday night. <laughs> like, so that's me. Is like I'll take one day to rest, and I'll be like, "What do you mean? I have I to should, keep doing this? I have yeah. to keep resting all the time? It sucks like a baby? It, it sucks. <laughs> I hate it. Health is constant. Yeah, yep. big time. Uh, okay, well, our last one. All, all right. right, we're gonna talk about friends. Um, let's get that clap <laughs> going. Yeah, that's it. Good. That's, that's <laughs> it. Friends. I almost had a sting for family with Vin Diesel gone. Firmly. Oh, uh, perfect. But I didn't. Okay. You can drink whatever beer you want as long as it's Corona. Uh, who's your best friend? Oh. Mm, Do you I still think, have bef- best friends yeah, at your age? But I heard something recently that I was like, this would have been so useful to me as a child, which is that best friend is a tier, not a role. Oh, okay, nice. So I would say I have a number of people on best friend tier. Yep. I would include my partner, Matt Sarazzini, but he's also my partner, which is a different job. Yep. Um. My siblings, especially my sisters, but again, that's siblings. Yep. And then I would say um, one of my best friends, one of my oldest friends is a guy named Sam who lives in New York. He plays the trumpet. He's incredible. He lives in Dubai right now. And we might see each other in person maybe once in a year. Last year we saw each other twice. And we might have like a, a video chat or a phone call maybe like, honestly, maybe like five times a year. Yeah. But that chat will go for like two to three hours and we'll cover everything in the world. And is it one of those friendships, and I'm sure it is, that you just slide straight back in? Yeah. It's like no time's gone by. Yeah. yeah great. Yep. That's really pick it up and easy. Yeah. And then I have a um, a group of friends that sort of formed in Melbourne because one of the perks of, I feel like I've talked so much about the pandemic, but it also is like it was just here, um, was being locked in the same place, whereas these are friends that are always touring yep. and making work and kind of, you know, travelling around. So I have a, a group of sort of like girlfriends that's very close um, who are all in the industry in some capacity or another. Yep. And that's an incredible thing to have this group chat that's kind of like for your highs, for your lows, for your weird questions, everything goes in there. That's it's one lovely. of my questions here. Are, mm. are you in any, any ongoing text threads and with groups of friends? And oh, how, I am in how a many? chaotic. You don't say how many, <laughs> yes. Well, my, my other big friendship group is through my partner and they're all almost exclusively people that are from Perth but live in Melbourne Yeah, because it's a weird, like, diaspora. And um, It is funny. I, I, see, 
being from Tassie, yeah. when I first moved here, I only hung out with people who are also from Tassie. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't until I started doing comedy where I branched out and met people who didn't grow up in Tassie. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird thing. And so that is an enormous friendship group called the Twizzlers. And then <laughs> that has a number of like WhatsApps that stem off it. It's a friendship group that makes a calendar every year with a different calendar theme. And the themes have gotten like bigger and larger and more ludicrous this year. It's a debutante ball. Is there anyone um, in the friendship group going, hey, do you want to scale it back a bit? No, no, okay. There's no, no. The motto is keep the friendship organized. Right. So it's a, it's funny because you like, it's the loosest group of friends I have. Like it is beautiful chaos. Yeah. But it happens within these kind of incredible parameters as yep. well. So it's a very magical thing to be part of. I look. I think this is the teacher in me coming out. Mm-hmm. Rules are important. Not only because <laughs> so you can know, you know where the boundary is. So you can. Go right up to it and break. Like I'm the same mm. with comedy. Like if you say, "Here's a blank page. Write whatever you want." I'm like, "Oh, well, wh- what do you want?" Yeah. If you say, "All right, here's here's uh, you got to write about the sun," go. Yep. I could do that. Yeah. I could do that way quicker. You just need some parameter. You need something there to go. All right, this is where I can. Yeah. And that the people who are a bit loose. Yeah. Need that kind of guidance. Yes, I think absolutely. But yeah, so that's a nice thing. There are many, many WhatsApps, and it's also a friendship group that like. You know, like we've had a lot of friends have like um, or have babies in the last few years, but particularly like um, premature babies or like some difficult pregnancies. And so just being like there's always a meal train for yeah. every kind of, you know, fresh baby and stuff like that. And, yeah, it's just a it's, – and it, it's also a group that like panders to interest. So like in lockdown my dear friend Michelle Brazier was like, I think you need to watch all the Fast and the Furious movies. And I was like, I think you're right. And I mentioned it to my partner. He goes, oh, I'll add you to the chat. And I was like, What? Because he is the most social person I know. He is in yeah. every single WhatsApp. And I was like, of course there's a Fast and the Furious chat. There's a chat for, like, the friends that ride bikes. There's a chat for the friends that kayak. There's, like, a music chat. There's a classical music chat. It's And for some people it's overwhelming, but you don't have to be active. So particularly when I was in a, you know, in HP and I was, like, very absent from my friendship groups, it was so nice for me to just be, like, feeling connected yeah. even though I couldn't be there. Yeah. So I... I was in a bunch of comedy chats and removed myself from them because mm-hmm. it was like that thing. Like, like it wouldn't surprise listeners, but like sometimes comics can be a bit bitchy. And so I was, it was bringing a part of myself I didn't like. Yeah. But because I was playing to the room and a writer, I was pretty good at it. Yeah. But I was like, I don't mean this. I'm just saying this to try and make these people laugh. Yep. But then you don't know how people are going to interpret that. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, this is not. I've got to get out of this. So the only two I'm in now, I'm only in two chats. Right. A football one and a basketball one. And that's Perfect. it. Great. That's it. And even though, even in the basketball one, hardly anyone posts. Great. Sometimes it's just me and one other guy posting and I feel like, am I wasting people's time here? Everyone's got this muted, surely. Like, if, yep. yeah, I'm still just, there was one today, I just, a player called Draymond Green just did this Instagram post of just like people 12 years in still trying to tell me how to play the basketball game. Uh, if I get a tech, I can get a tech, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I just put it in the thing because it's all comics saying, it looks like Ronnie Cheng's taken over Draymond's um, yeah, Instagram. Great. And I'm like, that's, that's enough. Um, have you got any friends from school still? N- not really. And I last weekend I went to my 20-year high school reunion. <gasps> Amazing. Just to feel something, man. Um, I was very curious. Also, and, and you won't say this, but you're going in going, I was in Harry Potter, I won the no. comedy. So I know you wouldn't <laughs> say that, 
But you could if you just go, yeah, I want when people are like, oh, so how's how's comedy going? Oh, I just won the the big prize. I just came back from Edinburgh. It was really good. Yeah, <laughs> you, you could you're killing it. Um, it, this was a very good year for the reunion yeah. to happen. Let's be honest. But um, no, I have sort of. There's uh, one girl at school that we were like in all the musicals and everything together, and she's been in a couple of like um, musical theater kind of shows. So we know a lot of the same people. Yep. So we've crossed over a little bit. And then another friend of mine that I'll see if I'm in Brisbane and we had a coffee the day after the reunion just to be like, okay, what information did you gather? What did you learn? But that was really weird to just be in this room of all these people that a lot of them still, I'm, I'm from Brisbane, so this was in Brisbane and they still live there. A lot of them still live in like, you know, yeah. around where we went to school. And I only, my little brother lives in Brisbane, so I really never go back there unless it's really for a gig. So yeah, for me, I'm like, this is memory lane. And you're like, what do you mean? Yes. Yeah. We're here all the time. So I think school's weird because you're just people that are thrown together by way of like location and timetable. Yes. The idea that anybody chances to meet anyone at high school that not only has like shared interests with them at that time, but continues to for your whole life is like, that's a, that's serendipity. Like that's yeah. so rare and so special. I think it's so impressive. I know people who met at high school and got married and it's like, that's, Hats off. That's very yeah. impressive. Well, there was some in my year and I had a revelation where I was there that I was like, when you're at high school and people at high school start having sex, you're like, oh, man, they're so cool and I'm such a loser. But what you don't realise is that for some of those people, that's the only person they're ever going to have sex with. <laughs> or that's going to be the worst sex they ever have well, in their life. Well, also that, yeah. Yeah. Big time. Um, so how did you make friends at school? Was it? Badly. Um, I, I did the musical. So yeah. once I started doing that. I would have my musical friends and because you rehearse like every day after school and weekends, it's like a very, it's like touring, but you're a teenager. Um, And otherwise, I don't know, I guess I just like fell into friendship groups. I think going to this reunion was really helpful to me to realise that I had really taken on this idea from like books and movies of like high school hierarchies and being like this group, that group, this group, the foods can't touch. Like, and I... I think I was probably very immature. I was a year young at high school, but I was smart. So nobody realized that I was immature because I was like, but I understand everything. Yep. I did not understand a lot of things. Yeah. So I had a friend in year 11 and 12 that I really wanted to be my friend. And she was much more chill about like, of course I can talk to that person. Of course I can sit with them at lunch. And I'd be like, no, that's, we have to sit in the quad. We're yeah. not allowed. So it was helpful to realize that and to be like, oh, okay, I really bought into that. And I just. Yeah. Some people are able not to because they're a bit more grown up and that must be a very different experience. I felt I was very immature, especially I. this was made apparent when I left year 12. Mm. Everyone had plans and I was like, I'm just going to the closest uni. I was just because that's. Yeah. And I just, I did a theatre degree and there was like that thing of like, you didn't have to get in through like, it was called the TCE points or whatever. It was like hex, like not hex. What's the, what's the, um. Oh, like um, it's VC H- HSC, here. Yeah. Yeah, 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 all that kind of stuff. And so it's like you didn't have to have points. It was just your audition. That's yeah. what got you in. And I did the audition and they even said in the thing, well, we don't get many boys applying so you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what are they going? I'm going to be good, Dad. It's going to yeah. be fine. And, then, uh, <laughs> and you are. Yeah, and then, but then <laughs> the exams, I was like, well, I don't really need to study. I'm already in. Like, And so didn't tank them but mm. didn't like stress out like some people did. Like I had one friend who uh, – because it was how they would rate it was like SA, HA or OA. So it was satisfactory achievement, high achievement mm-hmm. or outstanding achievement. And she thought an SA was a fail. I was like, no, that's 
That's a pass. pass. Yeah. And she goes, no, no, it's a H A is a pass. Yeah. SA is a fail. I'm like, oh, someone's told you lies because I'm coasting through with SAs yeah. all through this. And then, uh, yeah, but anyway, that's not. So, um, oh, here's a, here's a question, and mm-hmm. you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. Have you had any uh, friendship breakups? Have you had a breakup with any friends? And did you do it, you know, if you did, mm-hmm. did was it an uh, incident or just a slow ghosting? I have been a ghost. Yeah. And I'm not proud of that. Um, yeah. I think I'm very, like, I'd like to think that I'm different now. I think I'm much more able to like address something or, or manage something. Um, but I have certainly been a ghost in the past and just kind of let things, which is also very easy in this job yeah. where you're like, I'm not probably not going to run into you, yep. you know, like friendships take a lot of effort. Um, which I think I'm, I'm better at now knowing that you have to ask to be asked as yep. well. You know, you have to show that you're invested, um, equally and to spend time together but because I'm such I'm also such an introvert like I'm quite happy to just be by myself in my house yeah so I have to remember that I do really enjoy spending time with people and connecting with people and if I have a job where I'm in a show and there's a cast I'm like I could be life of the party yeah. I have a great time I love we have it. a very sociable job as well yeah. it's all like people come and see it and go let's go out for a drink later and you're of like course. oh cool but really that's kind of the job as well yeah. yeah, but then you stop if you're not on a contract. I'm so, the number of times I've fallen in a heap, partly because I'm like, I'm not working. Who am I? And I'm not working. I don't have any friends. Yeah, I don't have anything built in. And um, yeah, I think it's just about also like learning to lean. Like I, out of this year's comedy festival, I suddenly have like very nice new management. Yeah. And in Edinburgh, I had management, and there were just people that were like is there anything you need today? I was really sick and they were like, can we bring you anything? And it's so ingrained into me to be like, no, 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 it's, I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'll just do it myself. I'll just carry all the things. Yep. So I'm just learning to be like, yes, it would be so helpful if you could do this, please and thank you. That's such a good thing to learn as well. Yeah. Because, you know, we both self-produced for so many years. Yeah. And then when you do get someone, it's, it's, sometimes it's hard to give up that kind of Control. Control of saying, I, I do need you to do this or I would like you to do this. Not yeah. Me, but yeah. And in friendships too, I, like the other night a friend of mine and I sat down and then she was just like, yeah, I'm really sad. And I was like, oh, God, I'm really sad. And then we just were both like, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? So I think it's like, you know, talk early, talk often. Yeah. <laughs> it was David Quirk who taught me like to when people ask you how you are to actually tell them. How, like yeah, we're on a train. I'd met him a couple of times. Mm. And he was like, I was like, hey, man, how are you? And he goes, um, my mum just died, so no, not not good. Mm. And it was a lovely tram trip, but it was that thing of like, if that was me, I went, oh, fine. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have mentioned it Yeah, I, was, I wouldn't want to burden someone with it. But he's such a nice person that he went, no, no, Josh can handle this and I want to, he asked. And yeah. So, yeah. It was great. I saw him the morning of the awards this year, like we were getting some food and then we were going and I was like, Hey man, and I was like, just be, try and be normal. And he was just like, how are you? And I was like, yeah, I'm okay. And he's like, it's awful, isn't it? I was like, I hate it. I hate this so much. I never want this to happen to me again. And it won't. Um, and he was just Can't like. Can't win it twice. You That's just the rule. Clenched. You're actually only allowed to win it's it once. perfect. You're the carry over champion. <laughs> All right, so that is the end. We've gone through friends. We've gone through health. We've gone through family and career. And this is the part. This might be a hard part because mm. it sounds like you're, you're very across the board with all of them. Is there any that you're... Uh, What's, what's the one you will not turn off? Let's go to that one first. I just, I don't feel good about it, but I know I just won't turn off career. Okay, let's put career there. That's the big hot plate done. 
That's what you put your walk on. That's it's good. always on. It's good. 24-7, 24-8. It's going well. Okay, what's what's next then? I know that I have – I family and friends are spread out enough geographically that I keep them both on like low to medium. Yep. <laughs> Sis, I'm already trying to game the system in the first episode because also who's going to be able to sit opposite you and be like, I turn off family. You never know. They could I'm be someone. I'm giving up those kids. <laughs> well, yeah, kids are hard. But, yeah. There's also like, having like a childless woman on your first episode is very different, I, I suppose, too. Um, families come in all shapes and all sizes. All shapes and sizes. And the ones without kids are easier. Um, no. <laughs> um, do, look, if anyone comes on and says my pets are my family, fuck off. They're yeah, not. Okay, they're pets. They're, I love pets. I've got pets, but they're not family. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Good. Um, so I would say I oh. But also health is running on. I just feel like my burner set is like on my stove at home. I just use front left and it's too hot. Yeah. But it's my favorite. And then the others are almost ineffectual and I barely use them. And that is a terrifying metaphor for this. Not ineffectual, but like just I know what I'm like and that is running hot all the time. And then the other three are like depending on the day. Like today, well, you asked me, it's for today, Monday the 13th, yep, right? Yeah, that's it. So today she's doing um, Korea and she might do a little bit of health later and I had a big family weekend. So no family today, no. specifically today, <laughs> my family, that. all Cosgroves, but otherwise. Friends. Friends in? Or f- Am I friends in today? I'm also not really friends in today. Just two. Just two today. Going to be super successful. That's what they say. God. Turn off, turn off two. The other two, super successful. Great. Hey, thank Just you so Just to be really clear, this. friends and family, you are dead to me. No. Well, you'll know <laughs> if they listen. That's true. My dad will listen. He listens to everything I ever do. He listens to things I forget I've done. <laughs> well, Damien, hello for listening. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you for doing this. The first one. Hopefully I was okay. Listeners, hopefully I was okay. You're great. Um, anything to plug? Um, I'm doing uh, Warburton on November 24th. Great. I don't know when you're going to release this. Um, other bits and pieces. I'm just Gillian Cosgrove on the internet. I'm always yelling about what I'm doing. Go follow Gillian. Have you got a new show for next year? No, I get to do a return. Oh, That's the prize. Absolutely go see that. <laughs> uh, the show was called Actually, actually Good. Good. It's great, great show title. Yeah, well, if it's if it's a good show, it is. <laughs> uh, do you not, do you ever worry about uh, giving ammunition to the reviewers? Absolutely. Yeah, uh, I, I discovered that when I called a show talks, and I thought they could have just run it. Josh Earl talks, but shouldn't. Yeah, talks too much. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that would have killed me. <laughs> Uh, thank you, listeners, uh, for the very first episode of Four Burners. If you like this uh, show, please tell your friends, uh, rate, subscribe, do all the stuff on all the uh, platforms that you need to do. If you only listen to this, it is also up on YouTube. So go to Josh Earl Comedian or just type Four Burners. It'll be, I'm sure it'll be there. I, I don't Number know. Number one. You, you've already found this. So I'm sure you know how the internet works. <laughs> uh, also, if you'd like to help out the uh, program, go to patreon.com slash DYKWIA. There will be bonus episodes of other podcasts I've done, and in the future there'll be bonus episodes of this one with listeners. So if you become Great. a patron subscriber, you can sit in the chair that Gillian <gasps> sat in and I'll go over your burners with you. But that is in few, maybe next year we'll start doing that. I've still got a few hums and hits, pod machine, hit machines to go. Anyway, thank you all very much. I'll see you next time. Bye, Gillian. Bye. Bye.